Thank you, Jerome, and thank you, Clark and Mark, for leading our service today. Well, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's been a great transition in our country. And so far, it's been relatively peaceful. You know, I don't know if I can live in a world where Sam DeSue doesn't wear a tie to church. So Sam is undergoing this great transition. So let's support him in this endeavor, please. Sam uh, ribs me sometimes because I don't wear a a tie all the time while I'm preaching. So uh, payback, Sam. (laughs) Uh, I'm sure you'll get me back soon. Our scripture reading today is from John chapter 4, verses 27 through 42. Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or, why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say... Four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the field. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now the harvest, he harvests the crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Well, good morning, church family. Uh, if you're visiting with us, we are so glad that you're here today. Last week, uh, we didn't have church. It was uh, Hurricane Saturn or something. I don't know. And um, it was too icy. The roads were slippery. We didn't want to take a chance. And so uh, we canceled church. So I thought uh, what we do today is I'll, I'll go ahead and, and give today's sermon. And then right after that, I'll give the sermon I had prepared for last week. Why, why is the laughing? Why is there laughing? I don't understand. Jerome, why are you laughing? I don't, I don't get it. All right. Okay, all right. Well, one sermon today. Don't worry. One sermon. Two weeks ago, we did talk about this conversation that took place at a well at around noontime uh, between Jesus and this unnamed Samaritan woman. We talked about how Jesus broke through many barriers simply by talking to this woman. Uh, Jesus would have been a Jew. 
the woman a Samaritan, and Jews and Samaritans, they didn't talk to each other. They pretty much hated each other. And Jesus being a man talking to this Samaritan woman would have been against the rules as well, because unless the woman is a family member or your wife, you just don't talk openly to another, you know, your opposite gender in public. And then Jesus also broke a moral moral barrier because this woman would have been a social outcast, very likely. And Jesus would have been sort of this Jewish rabbi figure speaking to this moral outcast female Samaritan. That's a big deal. But it was a bigger deal that Jesus, the Son of God, offered this woman living water. Today, we kind of explore the rest of the story. What happened to this Samaritan woman? What did she do as a result of this conversation? What did she do after her encounter with grace? Because that's what happened here. This woman had a direct encounter with grace. Because here, in her meeting with Jesus, she learns that the gospel is for everyone. And I mean everyone. It doesn't matter your social location. You know, you might be on the bottom of the totem pole on the social ladder. It doesn't matter. Now, by the way, something I didn't mention, have you ever noticed uh, how Jesus finds himself alone with this woman? Jesus sends the 12 disciples to get food for 13 people. Okay? Doesn't, isn't that a job for like three or four men? Right? So, he knew what he was doing here. He wanted to speak to this woman personally, heart to heart. And it's probably the first time anyone had talked to this woman in this way in a very long time. Maybe ever. So our scripture reading was the account of, of what the Samaritan woman did after her confrontation with grace. After she looked grace right in the eye. So John 4 verse 28 says, Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Now, first off, don't miss the fact that this woman leaves her water jar. Okay, that's not a minor detail. What did this woman come to the well to do? Obviously, to get water, right? She needed that water jar to get her water. Well, after talking with Jesus, she forgets all about the water. She forgets all about her chores that she had to do that required that water. Her priorities completely changed after her conversation with Jesus. And it could also mean that this woman was so excited that she wanted to run back to the town and tell people what happened to her. I don't think you could run as well with a big water jar on your shoulder. So she leaves it there on the ground and runs back to the town. Matthew chapter 13, verse 45 says, The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. The Samaritan woman found something of great value, more valuable than fine pearls. She sold out after her conversation with Jesus. Be completely sold out. 
See, when somebody realizes how valuable Jesus is and the gift that He freely offers, it changes your priorities. Everything else that seemed important kind of fades a little bit, right? Even water itself, the essential building block, the essential necessity for life, loses its value. When you realize the gift of living water that Jesus offers. So the woman drops everything, and what does she do? She spreads the word. She has a testimony. Testimony. She doesn't hide it. Jesus again says this. He says, A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. If you have faith in Jesus, you have a testimony to tell. Did you know that? It might not be like the encounter this woman had at the well, but you do have one. You have a testimony. Well, my hope today is that by looking at how the woman at the well shared her testimony, will make it easier for us to share our own testimony. Because our faith is not meant to be hidden. It's meant to be seen. And, you know, I really want this church, I think we can all agree, really want this church to be that lamp on the stand. We're, we're not afraid to tell our testimony. We're not afraid to share Jesus and what He has done for us in our lives. Our faith should be public, out in the open for everyone to see. Well, uh, Tim Keller says there are three marks to the way that this woman shares her testimony. Transparency, simplicity, and bravery. What we're going to talk about this morning. The woman's testimony was transparent. The woman didn't do anything complicated or dramatic. She didn't exaggerate. She didn't tell a lie. All she did was she simply went back to the town, the people that she knew, and she talked about what happened to her. That was it. She didn't cover anything up. She was completely transparent. Now, if you follow Jesus today and you claim to be a Christian and He is truly in your life, then that will be the most important thing to you. Jesus would be your treasure, something of great value. It would be your whole reason for living. And any time spent with you or any relationship that develops, that person will, at least they should, realize that you're a Christian, that you have faith in Christ. Think about maybe a diehard Chiefs fan. How long does it take if you're talking to a diehard Chiefs fan to realize that they like the Chiefs? It's probably going to come out of the conversation now or later. In the same way, the longer you get to know somebody, uh, the more transparent you feel you can be in a relationship. It takes a little bit of time. You should open up about your faith in Christ. If you don't, you're not being transparent. If you don't share your faith in Christ, you're hiding who you really are. Okay, you're not being real. 
Now being honest. For the Samaritan, there was no hiding Jesus. Right? He was excited. She shared her testimony openly. Very transparent. And notice how the woman's testimony was very simple as well. Come see a man. That's it. Come see a man. That's all she wants people to do. Is just go to Jesus. Listen to what Jesus said. It's not about her. It's not about her wealth or her beauty or her social status. It's not about her at all. It's about this man, Jesus. And what he said. And it's not about following some strenuous path or following these hard-to-follow rules or steps to take. Every other religion is based on some path or some way or rituals or rules to follow. Okay, Buddha had the eightfold path to enlightenment. Muhammad has the five pillars. Buddha and Muhammad say, it's all about me. It's not about me. That's what they say. It's not about me. It's about this path that you follow, these rituals that you have to do every day that will make you clean, that will make you holy, that will make you pleasing to God. And here we have Jesus saying, it's all about me. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the gate. Jesus says, it's all about me. So the Samaritan's woman was very simple. It's all about Jesus. Come see me. So if you want, ever wonder what to say, you know, it's, it shouldn't be complicated. It should just be, you know, Jesus. One word. Just bring up that name. Jesus. Listen to what Jesus said. Go to Jesus. Come see a man. Read the New Testament. See what he had to say. Very simple, really. Finally, bravery. I mean, let's be honest. It's not easy for all of us to share our testimony. Uh, In fact, uh, the Greek word for testimony is martyria. And eventually, that term became known for people who were persecuted and died for their faith. Be a martyr. So, um, eventually, those who shared their testimony, that word became those who uh, were persecuted and died because of their testimony. So, it's not always easy. It does take some bravery. This woman, she took on some risk. She was already pretty low on the social ladder. And she risked completely falling off. Imagine when she goes back to the town and she said, this man told me everything I ever did. Hear those voices in the background. I told you, I told you you can't listen to people like this. This woman is crazy, I told you. Don't listen to her. This woman risks quite a bit. How about you? What will you risk by bringing up Jesus in your conversation? Will you drop a few pegs on the social ladder at work, at school? Will people ridicule you? Think you're crazy? Maybe. 
And here's the biggest obstacle we face today. This is why, for us today, I think the main reason why it takes some bravery to share our testimony is because people say, don't, don't say that you're right and others are wrong. Don't do that. Don't say that others should adopt your position. That's wrong. That's, that's narrow. That's bad. That's terrible. That's bad for the world to say that you have the truth, that you know something and other people should follow, adopt your position. That's bad for the world. What we get today, right? Well, let me tell you why, why that's bad for the world. When people say, don't tell other people they have to, you know, what they have to believe. Let me tell you why that's bad. Well, first off, it's bad emotionally. It doesn't work that way, okay? Imagine if you have a family member. Many of you won't have to imagine this, but imagine that you have a family member that has a a bad disease, maybe MS or dementia, Huntington's disease. And doctors find this treatment that actually works. And it changes the life of your family member. And they can do many things that they weren't able to do before. And it brings such joy to your life and to their life. Now, what would you want to do if that happened to you? Wouldn't you want to essentially shout it from the rooftops? You'd want it to be... On the internet, you'd want it to be on TV, you'd want to tell other people who had the same struggle, look at this treatment, look at what it did for my grandma. It could do the same for you. Now people, they might question the treatment, they might have their doubts, but they wouldn't call you narrow if that was the case. Because of what you experienced, you want other people to experience that same joy? That wouldn't be narrow. Nobody would think you were narrow for wanting to share that testimony. I read an article uh, last week about a young college student named Michael. And in this article, I listened to what something that Michael said. He says, I really can't consider a Christian a good moral person if he isn't trying to convert me. I really can't consider a Christian a good moral person if he isn't trying to convert me. Michael grew up in the church and his experiences within the church caused him to be an atheist. And that's what he said. You see, we have the treatments for the soul question is, do we really believe it? And do we care enough to tell other people about it? We have the treatments for the soul. Isn't it worth taking on a little bit of risk? Being called narrow. Being ridiculed. Okay, thousands and thousands of Christians have lost their lives because of their testimony. Maybe we can be called narrow. I don't think it's all that bad. So the Samaritan woman's testimony was transparent. She didn't hide anything. It was very simple. And it was very brave. 
as well. <clears throat> well, we learn a lot about sharing testimony from this woman. But what do we learn about Jesus from this story? The Apostle Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So what is Christ's example here? The example of Christ is this. Jesus knew this woman all the way down to the bottom. Knew everything about her, her filth, her sin, everything. Yet he loved her all the way to the top. Let me explain a little bit. I wonder if while Jesus was talking to this woman, this woman, you know, was thinking, man, this Jewish rabbi is taking time to talk to me, a Samaritan woman. That's crazy. Who is this guy? And then Jesus offers her this living water that wells up to eternal life. And I imagine this woman must have been thinking, boy, if this guy really knew me, he wouldn't be offering me anything good at all. In fact, he'd probably offer me a big plate of judgment and ridicule if he really knew me. But then, later in the conversation, she realized, He knew all these things all along. Really? He knew about my five previous husbands? He knew about this guy that I'm living with now? And he still offered me living water? He knew about my sinful lifestyle? And yet he still offered me this living water that wells up to eternal life. Who is this guy? Who is this guy? Jesus knew the Samaritan woman all the way down, yet loved her all the way up. Romans 5, 6-8 You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for who? Who did Christ die for? The ungodly. That's right. Not for the righteous. He died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Again, with the Samaritan woman in in mind, Listen to this passage from Ephesians chapter 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, ratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, flesh, and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. God knew us all the way to the bottom. Everything about it. All the filth. But, 
the best word in the Bible. But because of his great love for us, God, who is riches in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgression. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. He loved us all the way to the top. In order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Kindness doesn't seem to cut, does it? For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. So Jesus didn't let this Samaritan woman, her race, stand in the way of talking to her. He didn't let her gender stand in the way of talking to her. Or the fact that she was an outcast. But what's even more, Jesus didn't let this woman's sin stand in the way of offering her living water. How is that possible? It's because of the, of the cross. That's how it was possible. Jesus went as far to die on the cross because He didn't want our sin to stand in the way of this gift of living water, eternal life, salvation. Now, that's a pretty big deal. You know, that's, that's bigger than just talking to somebody because they're different, because they're supposed to be your enemy. Jesus went all the way. He died so that our sin wouldn't stand in the way of the gift that He has to offer. He really, you know, Jesus went to a lot of trouble to buy this gift for us. He paid a big price. So won't you accept it? Won't you accept the gift of God? Let's pray. Father, this morning, my prayer is that we be a people who are transparent, who do not hide our faith, but we put our testimony on a stand for everybody to see. My prayer is also that we be simple in sharing our faith and just point people to Jesus and the salvation that He offers. My prayer is that we be people of courage and bravery and that we may take a risk of being called names, being ridiculed, being thought less of because of our faith in Christ. Help us to be strong and courageous and not be afraid. Father, mostly my prayer is that we follow the example of Christ and we get to know people deeply, even all the way to the bottom. We know everything about them, about their lifestyle, about their sin, their weaknesses, Yet I pray that we would love them like Christ loved them. That we would show them Christ. That we could bring up Jesus in our conversation. That we could love them the way you loved us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Jerome, you can come on up. Um, This gift was bought at a great price.
Won't you accept it? If you have any needs at all, please come forward now as we stand and sing.